Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. Today I'm going to chat a little bit about uh, stool testing, especially when you have been traveling overseas or you feel like you have picked up something in your gut and you can't quite figure out what's going on. So if you have questions around stool testing or what exactly is involved, what a sample report looks like, the different labs that are used, you can uh, have a flick through some old episodes. So there are a few on stool testing. We'll just hit the search tab and look for, it'll probably be in the title as stool or testing. Uh, and then you can have a bit of a listen and just DM me, usually that's the easiest. So Sheridan underscore functional nutrition and make sure you spell my name right because that's the biggest problem people have uh dm me on instagram or facebook if you have questions around that or just flick me an email so hello at sheridandecker.com and i'm more than happy to chat to you about your options when it comes to stool testing because i think it's really important that we are aware and educated around the types of testing that can be done and how it differs between uh, functional nutritionists like myself as opposed to your GP. So today I want to talk about protecting your gut while traveling and travel bugs. So many women I work with have picked up parasites, bacterial infections or pathogens overseas, uh, traveling, camping or even from like public places or rainwater. So I want to talk through my health journey with travel, how my gut issues started after a Bali trip when I was 18 and how it took me years to get a diagnosis. And what I really want you to get out of this episode is that it's important that we're educated and empowered around our choices when it comes to our digestive system. Because if you are struggling with constant bloating, whether it's upper or lower, whether it's constipation, whether it's loose stools, and aside from just like you ate something and your gut's a bit upset or it's a bit up sore or something that fluctuates a little bit or it's really cyclolytic, like start tracking your cycles of females, it's really important. But notice whether it comes around your cycles, but also, yeah, whether it's something that's quite constant, even though you feel like you're quote unquote doing all the right things, not getting the answers, that there are choices for testing and that you don't need to struggle with that alone and that there are reasons for the things that are going on with you. So if I have a gut flare up, I usually know why either I've taken too many probiotics or prebiotics or I've been really stressed that month or I know I possibly eaten something that for someone you know with as many gut issues as i've had over the years does have a very sensitive digestive system so it's important to start to understand your body and track those things so that you can go hey this is not normal something's not quite right and that's exactly the same with your cycle like if you get a candida flare-up or thrush or acne or something and it's just a random one go okay what is my body trying to tell me is estrogen too high at the moment um is my microbiome a bit out of whack or my hormones a bit out of whack and my adrenals a bit under the pump so just 
please, please start listening to your body. It will be telling you something, even if you choose to ignore it and just uh, caffeine up and continue on. Please look a little bit deeper. So travel stories, I feel like we all have them. Um, and, you know, everyone's got that one time I got sick when I did this or I did that or whatever it is. I really, I guess my health issues started when I went to Bali. Um, so I've been to Bali a few times. I, my first one or two trips was okay. And then I went on a family holiday. It was in my first year of uni. Um, so I was only a couple months in, it was in April. So I was over at Easter. We went over there, had a really good time, but I ate something and I just remember being really bloated and really constipated for a couple of days and then just really having a sore stomach. Um, I think I then got classic IBS, like really loose stools and really constipation, felt really crap, really nauseous. Came home, don't really remember whether it was an issue or not then, but a week later I got glandular fever. So I started coming down really fatigued, really sick. What I didn't know at the time is that there's a link between blastocystis hominis, which is a parasite, and the Epstein-Barr virus, so which is the um, predominant virus around glandular fever. So the blastocystis hominis parasite can lower your immune defense, um, and a lot of people who have parasites often end up with immune issues because they're actually quite hard to get rid of because a lot of the women who hold on to things like blasto also have adrenal issues and adrenal fatigue and burnout and it took me a good four or five years to get rid of blasto and I haven't tested in a while to see whether I've picked it up again because I know that is very common as well um, but if you're in an adrenal state or adrenal burnout state you're not going to be able to push these pathogens out your body as well so I think that's really important to remember as well sometimes I go I just can't shake these infections or I have reoccurring SIBO or reoccurring gut stuff and it's like okay but what else is going on in your life because there's always a driver right like there's always something else going on we don't you know act in isolation and our body doesn't hold on to things in isolation so when i glandular fever i was super exhausted um had those five or six weeks off uni and was just staying home and in bed and sleeping and taking medication and i eventually sort of came out on the other side of that but i still had a lot of gut issues and i don't really know at the time what was going on because i was healthy like i didn't eat um, a lot of gluten like processed gluten or a lot of dairy or whatever I you know try to eat quite well I was exercising I studied sports science I was going to the gym every day but I was just holding on to this extra weight and it was just more like fluid retention and felt quite bloated a lot of the time um, and affected a lot of my uh, securities as well and I was also wasn't having my periods so I actually didn't go on to have them for seven years after that and then even now if I get stressed I'll my period will um, either extend out so it'll be just become a bit irregular or I will skip one or two cycles just because my body is so so sensitive to stress I have realized and everyone's different we react in different ways some people they can get super stressed and train as much as they want exercise as much as they want and their period won't shift other people like me as soon as my carbohydrates drop or i increase my cardio or i work more hours i will notice my period responds so I went on that trip, I had glandular fever, I came back, I had gut issues. I went overseas to Europe and traveled around and still with like a lot of chronic fatigue stuff and gut issues. When I came back, someone said to me, hey Sheridan, maybe you should try cutting gluten out of your diet. 
Within a week of cutting gluten out, all that fluid retention went and I lost I was a couple kilos over a week just from the inflammation in my body. And to this day, I haven't purposely tried to touch gluten since. And that's almost 10 years ago. So I still obviously get um, contaminated time to time. Like I'll eat something that might have you know, more than, so I'm not celiac because I've done a couple different types of testing for it and it's come back negative and I can share a toaster with someone who eats normal bread and that's totally fine. I can use the same cutting board or knife if I just obviously give it a quick wipe. Like I don't need a whole separate kitchen. Like some people, if you're really severely celiac, then you do not like gluten in your house because one crumb will have you vomiting, will have you throwing up, will have you running to the toilet, will give you headaches for three days, you'll be really nauseous. Like it's a huge, huge deal. Whereas I'm like, I'll get a really sore stomach and I'll get really bloated, like really bloated and I'll be constipated for a couple of days, but I don't have that, you know, just completely throwing up and also just the, the ongoing um, skin issues and headaches and fatigues from it because it's not causing that same immune response in me as it is with someone who's celiac. So develop those issues, um, develop the hormonal stuff acne got really really bad stress got really really bad so there was a combination of things yes there was the parasites yes you know there was the bacteria i picked up once i finally did stool testing i realized there was like six or seven really chronic bacteria in there that had overgrown which now i just look at and go oh to this day i have not seen a stool test worse than my own um when I first got it done, whatever that was, six years ago or something like that. Like it's still, I still just go, man, a lighter. No wonder you were in so much pain and you couldn't eat any food because there was so much stuff going on. On top of that, I've traveled um, to Vietnam and I've eaten street food. And I remember being like having a lot of gut issues when I was over there, like just really sore stomach all the time and kind of relying on laxatives and things, which sucks when you're traveling. And it was the same when I was in New Zealand, like you're just tired and you're trying to travel and you're having this amazing time, but at the same time, your gut's just stuffing things around. So I'm really passionate about people getting to the root cause of what's going on with their gut issues so that one you can enjoy travel again like this I've got a trip coming out to Bali and this is the first time I've gone overseas in oh, it'd be like six or seven years just because the thought of traveling with my gut is not something that excites me at all or didn't for a very long time and and so, you know, probably in the last like couple of years, I kind of go, oh, actually interstate travel, I can do that or camping, I can do that or whatever. Whereas I went through such a long time where I was like, I just don't want to. There's so many variables for me to control that it just would not be pleasant, whether that's like knowing if there's a toilet around or what if I'm going to get constipated or what if I'm going to get really tired or what if there's not food I can eat or I don't want to be that annoying person and everyone thinks you're being so... OCD and over the top the reality is you're just trying to get by and not have um, chronic stomach pain so that you can't hang out with people so it's actually quite a tricky thing to negotiate and that's why I wanted to do this podcast episode about going overseas and what things can you do when you travel overseas that are going to keep your gut you know as safe as possible within the things that you can control so Understanding that you cannot and you will not be able to control everything because <laughs> that's just life. And the reality is that's the same in Australia, right? Like that's the same here. If I go out for dinner, I can still end up with a sore stomach for a couple of days. That's just the reality of my body. 
and I'm trying to learn to be okay with that and control what I can, whether that's take digestive enzymes, whether it's make sure I'm having magnesium every day, whether it's make sure I'm taking soothing probiotics for my gut because I am more sensitive and I always will be more sensitive and reactive. And when you're traveling overseas, there are things you can control where your water's coming from, like drinking bottled water, say, for in places like Indonesia and where are you eating out what kind of food are you eating like is it street food is it restaurant food are you taking sanitizer are you cleaning your hands are you going to public you know toilets and spaces which you have a high chance of picking something up okay so control those elements where you can and you know if that means packing some of your own snacks and not always eating what everyone else is eating well that's you know that's the reality of being able to do what you want to do sometimes and I've learned that the hard way it's like well if there's something packaged I know what's in it I know the ingredients and I know where it's come from um same if it's you know like a banana that's got skin on it and I'm like cool that's okay whereas if I'm eating something someone's baked or cooked or I've bought from a restaurant then you're always at a risk of of being ingredients in there that your body's not okay with. When it comes to supplements when you're traveling, there's a few real key ones that I will always take with me. So activated charcoal, or there's one even better than that called Toxaprevent, which I use in a lot of my SIBO clients or those who have quite a severe bacterial or parasitic load. There's also one called Entrost Gel, which some of my clients would know as well, which they're basically just binders. So if you're worried about getting a lot of gas or eating something that yeah might make you really gassy or might have contained gluten or something, you're like, I really need to bind those toxins up or those anti-nutrients up. So, uh, some kind of binder is great. So you just take them a couple hours away from your food and your supplements and they'll just help soak up anything in your large or small intestine. That shouldn't be there, especially yeah, if you're finding that you're really gassy or you're getting loose stools or you're reacting to something, make sure you take a binder. Um, as far as probiotic blends, obviously you try and get something that's shelf stable. So Saccharomyces boulardii is a really good one for warding off parasites or um, different bacterial overgrowths. You can get some bacterial strains which actually are fine uh, out of the fridge. There's one by Activated Nutrients that they use that's called, it's the IBS one, which is quite good for traveling as well. Um, and if you have yeast infections or struggle with candida, especially if you're going to warm climates, trying to take um, a probiotic like a lactobacillus strain would be really good. Although most of the ones that I know are fridge stable, but then you can use them as pessaries as well. Uh, so that might just be an extra layer that will be helpful for you. Magnesium is a definite, so magnesium citrate in case you're worried about constipation can be really, really important. Also ginger um, for motility, so peristalsis is really good, but also nausea if you're worried about vomiting or being sick or um, trouble sickness or anything like that. Ginger is awesome. I take the chewable ginger tablets, but now that I think about it, I'll probably take swallowing ones just because the chewable ones usually get a little bit more affected by temperature. Um, digestive support, like I'll take a digestive enzyme uh, or like a Baragast as a liquid. Um, tablets are sometimes easier just because you can pop them in bags and things. A Baragast is awesome, but I have found um, that, yeah, you've got to try and mix that into water. Then if you're drinking out of bottles, well, that's kind of annoying. Um, and I would also take 
some kind of parex or intestine clear, which are basically just names of products, but something that's got a good antimicrobial load in it. So a good ward of herbs that are going to fight off anything that's in your gut. I've got one called MicroClear by RN Labs that I really like that I'll probably take with me as well. So I'm going to be like a walking chemist when I go over in a few weeks. Um, but I just think it's important. Like I think it's important if you have a compromised immune system like myself, if you have a compromised gut, if you've had gut infections before, all these things they play a role in who you are. It's just like I know that my progesterone is quite low because I had seven or eight years without cycling. Well, that just means I need to be proactive about it, support my adrenals, take Vitex to support my progesterone levels and be onto it with my B vitamins in my diet and be onto it with the amount of carbs I'm eating. Like it's just things that I just know because as soon as I get stressed, I know I'll lose my period or I know I'll get an acne flare out on my back because my estrogen comes up. Like it's just... It's the little things that the little things are the big things sometimes. And I just think understanding your body is just a really, really big part of that. So if you're going overseas, if you're going to a third world country like me, or you're going somewhere like Indonesia where you're like, oh, just don't know, don't know what I'm gonna pick up, don't know what to take. These are some of the things, um, yeah, I would take. If you have questions on some of those supplements just again flick me a dm um, and and let me know because then lisa can uh, help you a little bit better but yeah my big things are some kind of binder a um, protective sort of probiotic like saccharomyces boulardii i'd just be taking that every day and i'd start before you go magnesium to keep your bowels regular some kind of motility support nausea support like ginger some kind of antimicrobial, a digestive enzyme or um, like HCL or digestive bitters, and then some kind of immune support as well can be can be really, really helpful. Um, the other thing is do a stool test when you're back. I will be, of course, because I want to know <laughs> what I've picked up over there, and especially if I'm gone for a while. I think it's really important to do them, you know, once a year or once every two years or something just to stay on top of your gut and your microbiome. And especially as females, if you're thinking about having kids at some point in your life as well, because you are the primary producer of your baby's microbiome so what you've got you're giving across do you have good stuff in your gut do you really want to share what's growing in your gut that is my question for you so if you have any questions please reach out i do love hearing from you please leave me a little five star review i really appreciate it because it helps get my little podcast out there in the world um, if you have any questions on stool testing please have a look at my website and my one-on-one -on -one consultation and working in the root cause because that is what i am most passionate about and i really want you guys to get deeper into what's going on with your body and no more guessing no more quick fixes Anyway, that's my rant. I hope that was helpful and I hope to connect with you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.